Hello, I'm at 5G World uh, with Gabriel Brown from uh, Heavy Reading. First conference, I think, for both of us for about 18 months. Um, good to be back, in a way. Good to see people again. Um, I mean, what's your perspective, Gabe? You know, what do you think? We've only been here for half a day, obviously, but there's been a few presentations so far. We've had a chance to talk to a few people. What, what do you... What do you feel, I guess, first of all, about being back at a physical show? And, um, you know, what are your thoughts on, on this one in particular? Yeah, it's, it's kind of odd. I mean, in, in one way, it's like, um, honestly, it's like never been gone. You know, a trade show is basically a trade show. And it, it's almost like you uh, kind of haven't missed it. But it's actually turned out to be um, a fantastic morning. Honestly, I've got to yeah. say, just bumping into people, um, having a chat, loads of different kind of uh, uh, off agenda topics, if yeah. you know what I mean. Can't get that virtually. Um, uh, seeing, you know, old faces, old faces, contacts, friends. Um, it's really good. I think it's the the Venice 5G world. Clearly, the large majority of people are, are UK based. Yeah. Um, but I did hear by, by by report anyway. Someone's come from Finland. Okay. Um, <laughs> and I did. I, I saw. Um, Someone's come down from Scotland, you know, yeah. Paul Gowan. So it is. It it's is. There's a, there's a bit of that. Um, yeah, it's been great. I mean. Yeah, I mean, I was going to, you know, it's been a while since we, we, we've met a little bit recently at a Vodafone deal. We can talk a bit about that because they were chatting about some 5G issues. But we've seen 5G now being rolled out quite substantially, I think, in some markets. You know, we're at a point where I think it's a couple of years really since it was first launched. I mean, I'm just interested to get your thoughts as an analyst on... Has it sort of lived up to the expectations? You know, has there been anything different about it that you, that you weren't expecting to see? And, um, you know, are you feeling kind of optimistic about where the, where the direction of travel is? And what do you see on the horizon, I guess? Um, I think that, 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 that's a good question in the sense that um, about the expectations, that's what everyone's talking about and asking about. The, 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 the problem with answering it is, well, what, what are your ex, what were your expectations? Yeah. If you see what I mean? Yeah. And it's, we can't really say, if we take all the hype and put it all together from every angle, obviously yeah. no way are we anywhere close to it and, and so forth. So yeah. from that point of view, well, I mean, maybe, but, but did anyone ever have that expectation? Or? I suppose, I mean, one thing I've heard come up a few times at the show so far is people trying to talk about the revenue side of it. You know, there's a lot of talk about it as a, as a technology that operators need and there's a lot of talk about the efficiency benefits, but there's, there's constantly this desire, I guess, with these new generations for them to unlock some kind of sales opportunity that didn't exist in the past. And I mean, I, I guess we haven't really seen that in a lot of markets on the consumer side. I mean, do you, do you think it will come or, you know, are you, are you thinking that enterprise might make a, a kind of change for operators when that starts to get going? Yeah, I think, I think it's fair to say, as just as a user, as a customer, yeah. if you're not running an app that tells you what, what bands and all stuff that's running or you're not running a speed test, things like that, you're not really going to, you wouldn't notice the difference, really. Yeah. Um, you've got the 5G icon and, you know, that's good. I would say if you get a 5G icon, in general, you're going to get a very good service. It might not be 500 megabits per second downlink, but it'd probably be 100 or 80 or 150. Or so, you, you know, you'll get a good service. Yeah. Yeah. But most of the time, you, you know, I don't think it's really changed that much how we interact with services. Yeah. Um, but it's starting to change. If you have an unlimited plan, you do this, you do more and so forth. So, yeah. Um, is, is, is coverage a, a problem at all for consumers? I mean, 
maybe, like you say, it's not something they ever really noticed because the experience isn't that different from 4G. But I know there have been complaints from some of the vendors. I mean, it's a bit of self-interest, I guess, that Europe's rollout hasn't been quite as fast as, as in other parts of the world, that there's still, it's still quite spotty in some yeah. markets. I mean, is that, a, is that a band issue or is that something else that's... that's well, I think, that? number one, for customers, I, I would bet you're the same. For me, it's the same. Coverage is just the number one thing. Yep. Uh, you need it, you want it, it's not good enough, it needs to be better, and that's kind of constant. Um, and... You know, we want we want to see better coverage all the time. That that's more important than anything, pretty much. Um, on terms of Europe and the bands and so forth, yeah, the 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 the, the deployment of C band or mid band has been you know, it's changed in different countries. Um, but there's a couple of things going on. One is it's shown us that with C band or mid band, whichever uh, phrase. You're going to get certain amount of coverage off, the, off these systems, but you're not going to get enough coverage on the cell grids we have. So clearly there's going to need to be, and there is a move to putting 5G in low bands. I think that's really important, um, and we'll see a lot more of that in the coming years. Yep. Going back to the mid-band systems, well, I think an advantage of taking the time a little bit um, is that by now you're seeing second and third generation product from the vendors. And now at the time, everyone's like, oh, don't worry about that. The, you know, the, what we've got now is great. But clearly these new products are a lot better. Yeah. So now as operators invest, they're getting a, a much more kind of mature, capable, massive MIMO product for mid-band. Um, so that's going to give them more confidence, and it's going to be kind of steady build-out, I think. We, we've seen a bit of that this week, haven't we? I think there was a new Ericsson uh, update even on, on some of their equipment. That's, I mean, there's a lot of fascination with, with low-weight, massive MIMO boxes, isn't there, I guess, because that just makes it a lot easier for you to get these things on rooftops and, um, and, and, and they're more energy-efficient as well. And, yeah. um, is, is that starting to make a, a difference in terms of making it easier for operators to... to well, I think the, the, the weight is kind of a proxy for how, how good of a technology solution you have right. in some ways, but obviously it changes into different configurations that have an impact there. What I thought was quite interesting, and... Um, I think, I think we were both there. We had this from, from the Vodafone UK yes. um, yeah. uh, network people. They were saying, well, one thing is, yeah, weight does make a difference. Power, obviously, is very important. Yeah. But it's not so much that it's a one-man or one-person carry, because that's not really the issue for, in most cases. It's more to do with the um, supporting infrastructure you need on the edge of a building. Yeah. And so that's why when you look around and you spot 5G sites, some of us do you'll see that very often they've had to put new uh, steels, new kind of support infrastructure in. Yep. Because, first of all, it's the weight and the wind loading is part of it. But also, the fact that you have to have the massive MIMO uh, panel needs to be, if it's on a, on a rooftop, it needs to be right at the edge of the rooftop so that the beam forming uh, can actually work properly. If you're clipping off the bottom because it's set back a little bit. So that's one of the reasons why it's taking time. You know, it's not just that... Um, they don't want to invest. It's like you have to go and rebuild the site quite yeah. often to, to, to actually deploy this. You don't want those falling off. So. You don't want them falling off. And you want to get the best benefit of a, of a, 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 from beamforming in, in, a, in a massive MIMO system. Yeah. And, and, and can beamforming itself, I mean, going back to the sort of densification issue, and you were saying there's been quite a lot of use of things like DSS to ensure that we do get coverage. Is that going to be good enough? I mean, if you talk to Ericsson, they say, well, if you look at South Korea, they have mid-band rolled out and a very dense network grid, and in the future that might allow the, 
some of these services that operators do, you know, hope perhaps will boost sales and certainly that they're going to need to support. Is that going to be a problem for European uh, operators because of... Basically, it is, but it depends on the operator and what their grid is and how many sites they have and, and so forth. Since it's the same issue now in the, in the US with the big C-band rollouts underway. Yeah. And the operators there are kind of saying, yeah, we think we're going to do pretty well on the grid and we're going to be able to get contiguous coverage. Um, so you don't see a lot of talk about actually building new new sites. That I know there's been a bit of talk about it in Germany by Deutsche Telekom, but I don't hear many other European operators saying we need to actually build new new, new sites now. They, they, they don't want to, yeah. but we do need it. Yeah. I mean, you know, we need it as customers. They need it really to to, to, to get the density and the, and the it comes down to the coverage. Yeah, yeah. yeah, they don't want to, but but we need it. But it's so difficult, you know. It's like, can you get a can you get a permit? Can you get um, a landlord? Are they going to charge too much rent? How, you know, right. and it's a, it's a, it's a it's a big problem, really. And, it, and it's, a, it's a capex investment as well, I suppose, isn't it? It's, a, it's quite a substantial cost to, to put this uh, new equipment up anyway. So. Yeah, but look, without it, we're dealing with a 20-year-old grid, right? Design, you know, a grid for voice essentially, yeah. um, and it's going to get filled in a little bit, but. Yeah, that's, I mean, the big advantage in Korea is they've got a dense grid. And that, that's just something they've always had in place ever since the days of, of sort of 2G and 3G, that, that denser network grid, really? Or? I don't know. I don't know, how long <laughs> I don't know how long they've had that, but it's, it's um, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's, it's, it's a problem. It's there, yeah. yeah. Great. Well, that's um, good to talk to you. We'll, we'll wander around for another day and a half, and uh, we'll, uh, we'll come back later and, and, and see what else is going on. But uh, thanks for joining me, Gary. Good stuff.